Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. This week on the podcast, I am delighted to welcome Gary Trinder. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's certainly my pleasure. And so will you, I know there's a subset of the group who's in SharePoint and knows who you are, but for the rest of the folks, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Gary Trinder. Um, I'm uh, from the UK. Uh, so I'm a solutions architect uh, by day. I work for a uh, Microsoft Gold partner uh, called CPS. Other than that as well, I'm also a member of the Microsoft 365 Patterns and Practices team, PMP. Uh, with that, I'm uh, a maintainer of uh, one of the uh, open source tools, the CLI for Microsoft 365. And I'm also a Microsoft MVP for Office Development as well. Excellent. And uh, the reason I got you on this week was because I saw a tweet. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but they mentioned how use the CLI in a container and that pricked my interest because I don't know anything about containers. And so off we go. Paul gets to do a little education and I'm hoping everyone else finds it useful as well. So first of all, what does this mean, containers? <laughs> well, um, I guess, yeah, containers is a term that's been kind of bounded around for, for quite a while. And um, it's one of those kind of bits of technology that kind of gets confused. But I guess to kind of distill it down into its simplest form, a container is basically uh, a way of running an application that has been prepackaged. You can create uh, an image of your application. In normal sense, that's code, right? But your code has dependencies that it needs to run, which might be a framework or it might be an operating system as well. So what we can do with containers and technologies like Docker is we can bundle together all of those things into one package. CLI for Microsoft 365 has dependencies. It is um, written in TypeScript. It runs on Node. Uh, we use specific Node versions. It runs on an operating system, so we can run that on Linux as well, so it's cross-platform. We also know that if you want to install that, you're going to have to have all these different versions. And what happens if you, you're a SharePoint framework dev and you're on an old version of Node, you're going to have to handle you know, the differences between the different versions. And you can get those conflicts. So what we've what we've done is we've basically created an image that has everything in there for you that you can run a single command when you've got Docker installed on your machine. And it will download the image. So that will include all the node stuff, all of our configuration, and you will just get a command prompt with everything ready for you to, to use. So that includes CLI with some pre-configuration. We do autocomplete, things like that things that you might have to do manually. But then we also bundle things like PowerShell with that because we know that you're probably going to use it. So by bundling everything together, we've kind of created this easy mechanism of being able to just download and use, which is really great from, from our, my point of view because if we're, we're releasing different versions, if you want a specific version, you can just target the specific version and there you go. If you want the, the latest version, again, just target that and it's good good to go, pre-packaged, pre-baked. Um, and it's just that ease of use, I think, of being able to just get up to speed really quickly. And, and the benefit as, as well is not just only running it on your own machine, running on it on a machine that you don't own. DevOps, perfect example. People are using DevOps and you've got build agents, they're running in the cloud, Microsoft hosted. Do you want to spend all of your time creating numerous steps to just install all the dependencies? Or do you want one step that's going to do everything for you? 
probably going to go with the uh, the easy route, right? Because we're, we're all a little bit lazy. <laughs> we like the easy route. Well, work smarter, not harder, right? <laughs> exactly. Smart, not harder. So that that's what the technology allows us to to do, provide that prepackaged uh, delivery. And with it being a container, it runs in isolation on your machine. So you can have many of these running um, and it's not kind of going to take over and clutter your own machine with all sorts of weird and wonderful frameworks that you, you might not uh, know all the ins and out of uh, ins and outs of and, and want to have all over your machine. Uh, so thank you for that. That's great. And there's a lot of threads in there I'm going to tug on. So first, um, you said Docker, and and I'm assuming Docker is some kind of host application, kind of like a VMware or Hyper-V. Is that fair enough statement? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So kind of like a, it's it's like a virtual machine, but it's a lot more lightweight. So with a virtual machine, generally, you've got like the, you know, the operating system and you've got the disks and everything to kind of handle. And it, it, it looks like a machine, you know, it's got RAM, it's got disks and, and, and all that. With, with Docker, it, it basically abstracts that away. So you can be on, let's say you're on Windows, but you want to run something that is based on Linux, right? You've got an option. You can either spin up a Linux VM uh, in Azure and all of the resources that go with it, or you could use Docker and just say, I want a, a container that has whatever flavor of Linux that you want, maybe Ubuntu, and just run that on your host machine with access to your, your uh, main disk. You know, If you want to run code files that you've written an application that's maybe .NET, .NET Core, and you're running on Windows, that's perfectly fine. But you might want to say, oh, I want to check that this works okay on, on Linux. Your source code is on your machine, but you're running on Windows. So by using the container techniques, you can spin up this container and say, actually, I want you to run this code that I've actually got on my Windows machine. So it's like setting up a, like a virtual disk, and it will just run that and it will execute it inside the container. So the code is executing for all intents and purposes, inside the Linux environment and not your Windows environment. So is that the technology that's probably powering the Windows subsystem for Linux that comes with Windows 10, the WSL? Yeah, it's definitely a flavor of that. Um, you might have noticed that, say, if you're, you're in WSL, um, so I've, I've been using it uh, on one of my other Windows machines, um, so I'd have Ubuntu installed in there. And if you fire up uh, Visual Studio Code from inside the WSL uh, terminal, you'll see that it's kind of it's running inside that environment. And it's, it's that kind of technology that is allowing that uh, seamless access, if you like, between the different operating systems. So yeah, it, it's a very similar technology. Okay, and and now, so we, we've said Docker, and I know at least there is a Docker application. So if I want to do this on my machine, I have to download the Docker app and then download the container image. I guess that the right, I want to use the right nouns here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's that, yeah, by by removing lots of other dependencies, you still have a dependency right somewhere. And, and that dependency then becomes Docker. So you go to, I guess it's docker.com. There's installers for all the different uh, operating systems you want to run uh, the Docker engine on. So, you know, that's all covered. It's cross-platform, Windows, Mac, uh, Linux. And what that essentially does is it, it puts the runtime onto your machine. Um, so there's a CLI that's installed, uh, Docker CLI. So you can go to the command line, use Docker run as the command and reference an, an image. So for if you want to run CLI for Microsoft 365, we've got a particular package name 
So it's M365 PMP slash CLI hyphen Microsoft, Microsoft 365, and then a tag name at the end. And that tag name is generally the version that you want to, to use. When you execute that, Docker is going to take that command and, and, and do a couple of things. First, it's going to say, have you ever downloaded this image before? If you have, then it will just start because you've got everything there. If you haven't, it automatically starts to download that image from the uh, the Docker Hub. So that's where we publish our images. So it's going to check there. It's going to download it. And you'll see like a number of layers which get downloaded. So each image is broken down into different layers. There's an OS layer. There might be a layer for uh, configuration steps, installing certain packages. And um, so they all get broken up. Once that's finished, the, the container will be executed, be executed, it'll be running on your machine. You can then start to you know, run the commands. What I really like about that, and the reason why I mentioned about the layers, is a, an image can be quite big. So for the CLI, it's about 100 meg, uh, just over 100 meg, and then it, it, it expands out. So obviously, if you've got lots of different versions, you want you hope it's going to be uh, nice and efficient with the disk space, right? Otherwise, you're going to have to go out and get some more, more storage. What we then do, because we only change a particular layer for every version, which is the NPM install, when you do the next download for the next version, it will look at all the layers and go, hang on, I've already got all of these. So I don't need to re-download them as a, as a full thing. I'll just download the difference and then I'll execute that bit with everything else that I've got as well. And then if you don't need it anymore, you can just remove the image um, and that's it. Very, very cool. You mentioned uh, I could do this in in Azure DevOps or a build agent, right? And so does that mean the build or the, you said Microsoft hosted agent already has the Docker CLI installed? Is that how that works? Yes. Yeah. The engine's already pre-installed. Um, so there's Docker commands in there that will um, allow you to access the, the Docker hub. So, you know, you Microsoft go into the hub and downloading it for you. So then you get the benefit of the speed of a, uh, of a data center, <laughs> right? Uh, which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, a lot of the uh, CI CD um, uh, services have Docker pre-installed uh, for CLI. We used circle CI for a while that had Docker in there as well. We actually moved to GitHub actions um, recently. Again, it's the same. We've got the Docker CLI is, is on there as, as kind of like a standard tool. So generally you'll, you'll find it installed. Okay. And, and so typically like we use CI CD obviously for stuff and, and using some CLI commands to publish SPFX packages to the app catalog in our test environment, right? And so do I need to then have some s fancy Docker command that says run this script file or, or is it just like an environment or a task setting that says, here's the script that was PowerShell, but now it's Docker or how does that work? Yeah, so so with Docker, it's, it's basically saying, run this image as a container. So give me an isolated environment with everything that this script needs to run. And that, again, it might be PowerShell, it'll be CLI because you're using that for commands. There's a couple of ways of doing it. You can go into the container if you like and actually on the terminal line. But if you're using scripts, um, that something you've already got, you can add that script as an argument to the Docker run command. So it will. you're effectively saying, run this container, but execute this script inside of it. Um, and then 
just run. So um, with that, if you've got authentication that you need to do, you want to pass things into the container, they just go in as arguments as environment variables um, as well. And I think it's one of those things that looks a bit strange at first, but it's thinking of the benefits uh, uh, as well of, of being able to have that script execute in a, a version of the CLI that you know all the dependencies are installed for that version. If you then want to test a, a newer version that we've released, and you know, because you've fixed, you don't want to just kind of jump to the latest version all the time, it becomes really easy to just go, hang on a second, let's just try that out. Let's just increment the tag number uh, for the uh, for the Docker image, and let's execute that in in the latest version, and just make sure everything's fine. Uh, if you want to roll back, you just change the number and, and go back. You don't have to worry about yeah. You know, again, we know that nodes going to increase all the time. It's <laughs> the amount of times that SharePoint Framework right is is on version ten at the moment. It's it's trying to get to the later versions, but there's always this constant improvement of all the frameworks that we're using. So we keep up with that with the CLI. And by doing it this way, you then don't have to, because we know that we're running the CLI on a particular version of Node that is is going to work and we've tested against it. Excellent. And now my next question, what I can, I can on my machine, I'm on Windows 10, so I can launch the Windows terminal and I get a PowerShell window and I can type in the Docker command and now I have a Docker container that's running. Does that exact same console window now execute in Docker or does it open a new window or do I have to do something start outside of that? How, how does that work? If I just want to, I just want to bang something out right away, right? So there's, there's a couple of ways of doing it. So one of the things which, uh, like running the container, there's a couple of ways of doing that. You can just basically say, run in the background and basically you, you've got this concept of a container just running in the background somewhere and then you can connect to it use it in like an interactive way. The other way is you just run it in the interactive way. So when you hit that run command, you get an interactive terminal inside that container. So if you open PowerShell and you run that Docker uh, run command with, uh, there's a switch called dash IT, basically means run interactively. The command line that you will get after it's been executed is the container inside, uh, sorry, is the command line inside that container. So anything that you execute then will be obviously executed within that isolated environment. So it's the same window open in my on my PC. It's just yeah. that the command is now targeting a different environment. It's inside. Yeah, yeah. Which, which then there's different flavors, okay? So if you're on Windows and you're in PowerShell, you go, oh, great, great, I'll use Docker and I'll do an interactive terminal. And then you're presented with, presented with a bash terminal. And it's kind of like, okay, where's my happy place gone? <laughs> so uh, we like CLI, we'll, you, we, you can run it in Bash or, or PowerShell. We've provided the ability so that you can go straight into PowerShell uh, inside the container as well. So you don't lose that that context. You might be running, you know, again, if you've, <laughs> if you've opened a PowerShell window on Windows, it's going to be PowerShell 5, not PowerShell 7, which is, you know, we need to use PowerShell 7 for, for cross-platform support. So we bundle... PowerShell 7 with CLI. So you get version 7 inside the container, which is then it doesn't matter what environment you're in, you should have a consistent experience. Okay. Now you mentioned before that you could have the container just running in the background. And I'm guessing that's the kind of scenario that the remote development code spaces stuff is using. Is that the same? So this is the same container technology? 
Yeah, exactly the same uh, technology. So whilst we're using it for the CLI, that it's more interactive, right? You're writing commands and things. You can use containers to just say, I want to run a web app. But I just want to run into the background. I don't need to run any terminal commands against it. I just want to say, you know, spin up the, the web app and I'll just leave it running. And then when you want to stop it, you stop it. Uh, and that's pretty much it. With the remote development container technology uh, that we talked about, yeah, that's kind of like it just spins up and it's running in the background and you're interacting with it through Visual Studio Code. So running code, in fact, still accessing the terminal is done through Visual Studio Code. But then, yeah, you can have that running just always if you wanted or just shut it down after you're done with um, your Visual Studio Code session. So inside of... VS Code or even you know, code spaces on GitHub in the browser. So that that is a little different. You mentioned before how you can access like my local C drive inside the container, but in that scenario, I'm I'm not putting files on my drive. So that implies to me that a container has its own file system or it can have its own file system provided. Yeah, so it's a full machine that's running, right? So it's got an operating system. That operating system has to have it's files in there. Um, you're obviously not going to have multiple versions of Linux actually just on your, your C drive. Um, so when you're running that container, it is isolated. It has its own. It's your, using your physical disk, but the, the container doesn't know anything about the outside world. It doesn't know where it's being executed in. So it doesn't have an idea, an understanding of your C drive. The way that you get the two to talk together is that there's a concept of uh, volumes. So you can attach a volume to the Docker container to access the, uh, the external environment, which is your local machine. So one of the things that uh, Visual Studio Code does really well is um, it will set up that for you. Uh, so we talked about WSL before when you, you execute Visual Studio Code. That Visual Studio Code is, is not installed in the container. It's installed on your C drive, yet it can access the files that are potentially running, uh, that stored in you know, your WSL2 environment on its disk drive uh, or virtual disk drive. So that's how the two kind of then can communicate. So again, you know, it's it's good. You can have the code in still on your C drive, but again, executed in this isolated environment, and the connection is is this this volume that's set up between the two. And conversely, the the code spaces team obviously has something running on the host that's going to then share the host files with the local instance of v VS Code, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely some magic that's going on. I, I still look at it now and think how amazing it is that we've got to this point that you can just, you know, hit a button and you have some a development environment that includes the product to interact with the code, all accessed through your browser. It's it's absolutely mind boggling um, what what we can do now. But yeah, the the it's all based on the remote development container technology. So there's a bit of Docker in there for the engine, um, but Visual Studio Code has its own server and it, that's how it interacts with the, um, the, the Docker element. That's, that is pretty cool stuff. Now, obviously, we could probably do a whole show or two or three on developing in containers, but just to, to, like, to you know, for the newbies like me, it, is it really complicated to say I want to like build the CLI and have a, an end user just do a Docker command and run it? I mean, how do I go about, first of all, 
is that something I would want to do like as an ISV? Do I want to ship out my product in a container or do I want to host a container or why? And then I want to know how complicated is it to do that? <laughs> so I guess the, the complicated part really was um, like for me uh, when I was working, trying to get the container out there was uh, just learning Docker really and just understanding, okay, what are my dependencies and how do I get that to work? Because I have to define all of the steps up front to say, install the operating system, install all these packages, make sure that I'm keeping the image as small as possible as well, because I don't want it bloated and, you know, oh, great, use the CLI, oh, it's a two gig download. Yeah, you're not going to do that. <laughs> so yeah. it's trying to keep that as small as possible, automate all of the little configuration steps that that we might want to do before then you're handed up, before it's handed over with, here's a terminal that you can use. That, that bit was pretty complex. The bit after that was really easy because as soon as I had my definition, I could push that to Docker Hub. As soon as it was in Docker Hub, I could then just write, run the Docker run command and it would automatically just go and download that for me as well. So that bit was 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 nice and, and easy for, for doing the, the shipping part of, of the CLI. We did actually then go a step further and, and added that into our CI CD pipeline. So as we release a new version to NPM, we also then release a new version of the image to Docker Hub. So we actually do the builds there as well. So you end up with, oh, there's a version that you can just go and download and install manually using NPM. But there's also the same thing that's packaged up um, in the uh, in the Docker image as well. Yeah, so you mentioned it's a bunch of layers, right? And so you're changing the topmost layer, I'm guessing, every release type, is that the concept? Yeah, essentially, once you've set that, set up your environment, uh, or say your definition, the only thing that we then change after that is the version number of the NPM package that we then want to download and, and put in that image. So it's literally one line uh, that changes. Oh, so the Docker Hub image doesn't necessarily have a copy of the of the CLI. It has a packages.json file and it runs a... Kind of. Y yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Conceptually, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, that's pretty slick stuff. And so then this... This Docker Hub, it has lots of images. I'm guessing, right? For because I've heard I've heard containers have been around for a while. So if I can think of it, it's probably up there, right? Uh, definitely, yeah. Lots lots of tools. In fact, the reason why we did this CLI for Microsoft 365 was um, we had a uh, an issue raised of someone saying it'd be cool if you could put this in Docker. And we were kind of like, why? That sounds like crazy. Oh well, actually, Azure CLI is in, in Docker, and it's had millions and millions of downloads and we're kind of thinking okay there's something in this and then you start to look and you're going yeah okay nearly every tool you could pretty much download as a uh, as a docker image run that in a container and again it's pre-packaged i use it a lot for powershell so rather than installing the latest version of powershell on my mac i will just run whatever powershell i want in the container it it just be, once you know what the command is to just start the container and just kind of you know bash some commands out, it becomes really easy and really quick. You don't have to like you say it's it's that it's that headache of not having to worry about am I going to have to rebuild my machine in a couple of months because I've installed X number of frameworks. <laughs> I have I have a real life scenario here for somehow 
the PowerShell gallery is not running on my machine. If I if I try to install a module, the the Microsoft Graph PowerShell commandlets or the Azure, I get a message that says that the uh, you know the NuGet package provider is not installed. So then I install that, and it tells me there's no repository installed. And then I say, well, okay, set up a repository. And it says NuGet's not installed. I'm in, I'm in this recursive circular pit of f failure. And so now I'm just curious. Maybe I just install a container version, and then I don't have to worry about getting the PowerShell gallery connected on my machine, right? Maybe so. Oh, yeah, and, and that's that's the kind of th the way to look at it, right? Is like, a lot of people say oh, it seems like a lot of work, but actually, when you look at it, 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 it isn't. You know, there's certain peculiarities that you have to kind of you know uh, work with, like the whole kind of I want to access a script on my local machine, therefore I have to set up this kind of volume, um, which can be a little bit strange. But once once you understand kind of like the basics, there's only like a few arguments that you really need to to pass into that run command. So it's it's, it's definitely worthwhile learning. Yeah, and that becomes a, a profile script, right? So when you launch the terminal and it runs the profile script, you're ready to go, right? Yeah, it's automate as much things as possible. Um, and yeah, automating framework and tool uh, installs is is definitely a, a nice way of, uh, of looking at this. That's terrific stuff. So is there anything new and exciting on your roadmap for the container bits or the CLI bits that you want to share? Or is it really more of a see what comes in through the, through the issues list? And we should probably do it. So uh, where is the issues list for folks who have great ideas that we should also include that too? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the GitHub repository, so github.com um, slash PMP slash CLI hyphen Microsoft 365. That'll get you to the... Um, the repo we've got an issues list on there if you're not comfortable of maybe raising an issue we've got discussions as well so it's a bit more of like a forum where we can you know kind of have a bit more of a discussion and create issues from that um in fact that's where the idea for the docker uh, image came through through the github discussions so yeah just jump onto there add anything we'll you know we'll get back to you straight away pretty much where we like to be uh, very communicative in the cli uh, and 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 push new ideas as well so we're always open to to, to new ways of pushing the CLI through different technologies. Uh, like I say, this wouldn't have happened if it, if it wasn't a suggestion. Um, so, you know, feedback is, it's amazing, but it's really hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's great. And then if uh, folks, so I'm guessing then the discussion list is where we, we want to direct folks if, uh, with questions, right? Can I do that for help? How do I get, you know, how do I get started type of thing as well? Or is there a better forum for that? Yeah, so um, no, it's it's exactly that. Um, so if you you know if you're stuck on anything, if, if it's a bug, then yeah, go to the issues list and and, and put that in. But if it's a, you know how do I get started or I, I've got this scenario, can I use the CLI for this? Then discussions is the best place uh, for that because it might give us the opportunity to say, well, you've given us a scenario that we've not really thought of, but actually we want to take it take it forward and and see what we can do and we'll create some issues off the back of that and, and look to uh, planning the work. So this is all wonderful stuff. I'm going to go fire it up as soon as we're done here. Thanks so much for educating me and, and giving us, and thanks for all the work you're doing in the PMP. I, I, being a maintainer is probably a lot more work than most people realize. So thanks so much for all your efforts and uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much for inviting me. For listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. 
to help us spread the word. We'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. <laughs>